you need to know a lot about a little. But now that I'm in knowledge transfer, it's the opposite. I need to know a little about a lot. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada. Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter, Ontario, and Demeter, Quebec. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Swine Veterinary Partners offers a full range of animal health and production services to Canadian pork producers. We approach health management through personalized solution with concern for profitability while taking into account performance and the well-being of your animals. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Swine at Canada podcast. I am Dan Columbus, and I will be your host for today's episode. And with me today, I have Dr. Miranda Smith, who is currently the Assistant Manager of Knowledge Transfer at the Prairie Swine Centre. So welcome, Miranda. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, before we get into today's uh, uh a topic, and I think it'll become clear why we're talking about it once you've introduced yourself. I will ask you to kind of uh, let everybody know, for those who might not be familiar with you, you know, where, what your experience is, where you've come from, you know, what, what, what's your journey been so far? Okay. Well, it's not been a standard journey uh, into pork production, I guess. Um, so I, I was born and raised in a middle-sized town in the Netherlands, had nothing to do with agriculture but loved animals, so decided to study animal science um, at Wageningen University. And, you know, I was mostly interested in, in cattle and did a research with dogs and, and rabbits. And so, you know, again, nothing to do with pigs. But then I really was interested in going to Canada. That had been a dream of mine for a long time. And so I asked um, my supervisor at the time if he could find a research project for me um, in Canada. And so he was in contact with uh, George Foxcroft at the University of Alberta. Um, and of course, he did research in pig reproduction. So it was in Canada. So I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I know nothing about pigs, but, you know, this is my way of going to Canada. So I, I did a four-month um, research exchange during my master's degree with George Foxcroft and Basically, that's where I fell in love with both Canada and pigs. And so um, I came back to start my, uh, my PhD again with George Foxcroft in pig reproduction. And then after that, I, um, I stuck around and uh, got a job for the government of Alberta. So I switched from pig reproduction to um, like feeds, like feeding alternative ingredients to, uh, to pigs. And then um, more recently, I joined the Prairie Swine Center 
as a knowledge transfer coordinator or assistant manager. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey from having nothing to do with pigs to now having been working with them for the past 15 years and still loving it. <laughs> it's it's interesting after in- interviewing so many people on this so far, you know, how, ma- how many of us kind of almost get into pigs by accident? <laughs> yeah, you know, no, that was we, certainly the case for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, for, for a lot of us, it's like we have a different route or we have a different background and somehow we get brought into pigs. And, and the one thing I find, though, is good is that everybody that's done pigs loves it. You know, yes. so it's more it seems a matter of you just need to be willing to, to get that experience and then it'll be good. It's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have done two years of uh, like chicken research as well, like when I was with the government of Alberta. And, and that was good, too. But like in the end i just came back to pigs because i that's what i love so yeah, yeah. so i i kind of uh, alliterated to it you know at the beginning that today's topic is going to be transition uh and i think you're a good one to talk about this because you have taken on you know different species and different roles and different organizations um so i guess we'll just get right into it <laughs> and maybe some of uh you know your experiences with that and then, then we'll get into maybe some advice for people that are kind of doing the same type of thing mm-hmm, for sure yeah so i think it's it's really interesting to me um like the different uh, roles that we all play like in the pork industry so of course like i started out as a researcher so a uh, researcher with the university. So in the university, like generally we're doing more um, like basic research. And with that, I mean like more fundamental. So generally it's a little further removed from the day-to-day things happening on the farm. And I've been thinking about this actually, like I was lucky that like my supervisor um, had both, like he was a very good researcher, but he also had both feet firmly you know, planted in the pork industry. So he always kept that connection with like, what is this going to do for producers uh, in the end? And and that is important to keep in mind. But, um, you know, I was doing research um, at like a commercial uh, farm in the US. And I was also able to do a little bit of like visiting of other barns in Canada. But I, I've been thinking, there's probably quite a few grad students out there who never got a chance to go to a commercial barn during their research projects and like and then it becomes hard for them to be able to connect to the end user so um and as i've been transitioning away from that more fundamental research and getting closer and closer to what is actually happening on the barn like that's what i've realized that i think it would be great if we can give grad students more of an opportunity to actually visit uh, commercial barns. And I know it's hard, you know, because of um, biosecurity and things like that, but I do think it's a it's a crucial piece that is, might be missing a little bit. Because when I've transitioned, of course, like in the university, the main goal is um, to publish like refereed journal articles, right? And, 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 we, and we go to conferences and like there might be some interaction with uh, with producers, but it's it's kind of minimal. It's not um, it's not you know the goal of most researchers in the university. So yeah. then, of course, when I switched to working for the government of Alberta, they kind of changed dramatically the thinking. So I was still doing research in a specific area, but of course now I'm being paid by tax dollars. 
So it means that like the research I do needs to have an impact on the end user, the people who actually pay me to to do my job. So it, it switched. Like I was still also, you know, like doing the articles in the journal papers. And, and you kind of need that to keep your, um, you know, to be reliable, uh, to be seen as reliable as, as researchers. But in the end, that was not the main goal for us. The main goal was to make sure that producers would actually be able to use the research results. So in that role, I kind of started to switch from being a researcher to being more of doing like knowledge transfer. So in that role, I was doing both, right? And then when I moved over to the Prairie Swine Center, like so nowadays, I actually don't do research anymore. Um, and, and I've learned that like as a researcher, you need to know a lot about a little. But now that I'm in knowledge transfer, it's the opposite. I need to know a little about a lot, right? So like that's, I think, the biggest switch, if you will, in, in the mindset. So of course, with my background, I will always know more about pig reproduction and nutrition than some of the other factors. But now I need to know a little bit about bar barn maintenance and like the height of waterers and just like things that I never really needed to think about before. But now as a tr knowledge transfer, to be able to, to be useful to producers, I need to know a little bit about everything. Right? Because that's what producers know. They need to know, well, they need to know quite a bit about all the different aspects in the barn. And so that's where I now need to be. I need to be at that level. So it's, it's been a very interesting switch of thinking and a switch of knowledge or like, like skill set, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, now because we get very stuck in our silos as researchers and stuff like that a lot of the times, right? And we we try to make the, the argument because obviously we wouldn't get grant dollars if we can't make some kind of a, a generally an economic argument uh, or some kind of sustainability argument for, for that. But I, it, it occurs to me that, you know, and you having been on both sides of this, right, that even um, – even how we approach trying to sell the work that we're doing might be different. And I'm just wondering like, what, what, how would that differ between, you know, selling your idea for a research grant versus selling the idea to actual producers or, or the end users of that, of that knowledge? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Cause like what I've been realizing, like when I go and visit Barnes um, and, and we've done like some, like surveys as well, where it, it's shown that not all of the, the research results that even show that it, it can have like a good economic impact um, is actually being used in the barns. And I think that it's, so then you can question like, oh, did we not do a good job, you know, like transferring that information to the producers or were the producers just not listening to us? But I, I think it's neither of those two. I think the problem is with like producers have only so much time, right? Like we, we have a shortage of staff in, in general on barns. And so um, whether something gets adopted depends on how easily it can fit into the schedule of the workers. So the priorities become different, right? And like, um, for example, like we know that it's, it's, it's better to change the, the height of the waterers on like to the, 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 the shoulder height of the smallest pig in 
in the pen. Now, of course, pigs grow, so that means that the water should be, you know, changed uh, every now and again. But we also know that it often doesn't happen. And, and why doesn't it? Well, because the feed line broke in the other room and the tractor won't start and, you know, a pipe like froze shut. And so now all these other things are happening and they need to be dealt with today. And so, you know, the waterers can be dealt with tomorrow, except tomorrow we have other issues, right? And so it becomes this whole thing of like, well, it's it's not the priority right now. Um, and so like that's... That, I think that's the biggest difference. Like as researchers, we think of, well, but there is an economic improvement if you, you know, feed this ingredient or if you change from mash to pellets or, or whatever it may be. So why aren't they doing it yet? Right? Um, well, that's why. I think there, there's two things. Like it's, it's a staff shortage and it's because of that um, the producers like the managers don't necessarily have the time to sit down and think strategically about the things that they can change to to make improvements because they have to, you know, run to take care of all these things that, that are just happening. Yeah, it's always putting out the little fires. And then <laughs> I guess then the question becomes, how do you make it that that's the big fire <laughs> that they need to actually deal with, right? Yes. Well, and I guess... Um, you know, with the way the industry has been, with the high feed cost and just high costs in general, um, I do think it becomes more of a priority now to look at different ways to decrease costs, right? Like, so, um, so maybe now there is a bit more of an urgency to look at again some of the things that like we've already known for for years, um, but were just never implemented because it was never you know the top priority. But I think now with like, you know, the economics down, like this is the time to really look at how can I make improvements? Um, and, and you know, that's where like Prairie Swine Center can help because we do have a lot of this knowledge from, from like sometimes it's even like 15 years old, but it's still relevant, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't need to be everything we're doing today. Um, a lot of information has been out there for a long time, but just is kind of like lost and forgotten a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering a little bit with the, the messaging and a lot of the times we think of the producer as our intended audience. And then a lot of, they are the end user. A lot of the times that they're the ones that we're eventually wanting to benefit is should, or should we be um, maybe looking at targeting our message to different audiences though within the pork value chain, right? And I'm thinking, you know, because I know this area with nutrition, it might not be the producer that's modifying the diet formulations to, to make that improvement, right? So are, are, are there efforts uh, out there to kind of, you know, make sure that the, the correct message is getting to the right person or are we just kind of saying, okay, yeah, We'll just put it out there and hope that the right person get, hears it. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Like, I do think, um, like, it's good to have in mind who is going to use this information the most. So in case of, like, nutritionists or, like, in nutrition research, yes, you're right. Like, generally, it'll be the nutritionist who will be using this information rather than the producer, unless it's a producer that has the feed meal and makes their own feed. But like in most cases, it's going to be a nutritionist. So you want to target your message to them. 
like and like at the same way we can use veterinarians right because veterinarians are also uh, a group of people that have like a good connection with producers generally there is a you know a, a connection of trust and so veterinarians can actually help with getting some of this like information out and and they're often there to help set up like a whole herd health program and 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 that kind of stuff so if you do research in more like the health aspect and biosecurity um i would say veterinarians are a really good group to target so then it becomes a question of like where do these groups get their information and like some sometimes it's it's general like for example we use um, like LinkedIn and the web, our website and things like that. And so anyone who is looking for information can come to that at their, you know, in their own time. But it can, you can also think of like, are there specific conferences specifically targeted for veterinarians or nutritionists or, you know, other professionals um, that you can help then? Because like, they have those connections with producers. So it's, yes, you're right. It's It's not just the producer that we're talking to it's it's the end user but it's not necessarily always the person who is using this information yeah it just because it all i always think it's interesting when you have conferences and you get the feedback or you hear people and they're like well i didn't get anything from that presentation right and it's like well but that doesn't mean that it wasn't meaningful or that there wasn't useful information in there but not everything is going to be something that you're going to take home yourself yeah, and use for sure right but then at the same time, sometimes, like, for example, if you're talking about nutrition uh, and you gave a presentation and there was a producer in the audience who said, well, this kind of went over my head. I didn't quite understand it. But if you can get it, like if you can take have the take home message, you know, like to the level where they can understand what it will do to their farm, then they can go talk to their nutritionist. They can go and say, like, hey, I heard about this. Can you tell me like how we can incorporate this or how this may help me, right? So yep. I th even though they may not necessarily like, because I don't understand all of the nutrition stuff and I'm a nutritionist, like, you know, <laughs> people get so into, you know, like they're very focused into one area and like, it's very specific. And again, like if you haven't been working in that area for years, like, yeah, some of it will go over your head. But as long as the take home message is clear, and uh, why this is important and how this can help, then they can go talk to someone who does understand it, right? And so I think that, yes, you're right, it's still a good message to get out there as long as you can break it down to why this is important. Yeah, it, it, it is something that we try to instill in the graduate students when they're getting putting their presentations together. I know at least at, you know, the SAS Pork Symposium, that competition where we outline specifically your yeah. audience is the end user. So you need to make it, you know, uh, that they can understand it. And we've yes. even gone with the the three minute thesis is a very interesting way to do it because I, and I tell my students this all the time, if you can't explain what you're doing in three minutes, <laughs> you know, nobody's yes. going to know what you're doing. And you you clearly need to do a little bit more work on it so that you understand it as well. <laughs> yes. right? you, you've heard that, what is it? If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it enough type thing. That's right. So, you know, but it's also because they need to be able to to take that information and use it. And if it goes over and their uh, head, what, what's, what's the point? Right? Yes. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, I, I sometimes people say like you need to dumb it down. Like I don't like those words mm -hmm. because it's not dumbing it down. Like be, these people are very well educated and they know a lot, but they have not been doing this for three years in a row, right? Like they, they like there's different a different level of knowledge. Like they will know way more about other stuff that that the the, the researcher doesn't know about. So it's not dumbing it down. It is just it's it's finding the common ground that's that's what you need to do you've like what do they know that i know and like that's where you start and from there you can you know build up on you know what you've been working on but try to keep it into like understandable terms right like it, all the the jargon the the like you know, if you go with the the ADG and the AD, ADFI and the, yeah, sure. Like a lot of people will know what they are, but there's plenty other ones that were like, what, <laughs> right? So so keep it understandable for everyone. Don't just assume that everybody knows what you know. Yeah, um, I I guess the the. The question that I have, and this kind of leads into, because uh, I want to ask about advice that you would have, um, but it does, looking back at your experiences and moving, obviously, to different roles or and, and that, like, what are some of the main challenges other than, you know, what we've kind of already discussed that have come up and how have you, how have you dealt with those? Oof, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think one of the things that I'm still learning is um, like the, the difference, like I still have a, a bit of a research mindset, right? So as a researcher, you always have a control group versus a treatment group. And, you know, you always look at like very specific measurements. Um, and, and that's like, now that I'm more into knowledge transfer and like doing like on-farm demonstration projects, that's quite different because you don't necessarily always need a control group because it's more about the experience um, than about, you know, did we gain this like much or did we, right? Like, does it, is it easy to incorporate into the routine of people? Is it like, do they like it? Do they feel there was a benefit? Um, and, you know, like, does it, is it destructible or whatever, you know, for example, with like en enrichments, like does it not go into the pit? So suddenly there's like different like things that become a priority over, um, you know, is it set up properly with, you know, like this many, uh, you know, like pans on this treatment and this many on that one. And like, it's, it's, it's a very different kind of thinking. And I'm still kind of sometimes gets a little stuck in like, oh, but it needs to be, you know, because um, <laughs> I still have that analytical mind. Um, okay. So, so there's, yeah, there's, there's a difference in how you set that up. And like, I'm still kind of learning through that, I would say. Yeah. Needing yeah. to accept that not every confound is going to be <laughs> uh, taken care of and addressed. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Things exactly. are going to move around. Yes. You know, I, I would say too, that that's even an issue with, trying to do type of like commercial level studies and then getting them published. And that a lot of times yes. the reviewers are looking at these things and being like, but this changed and this changed. Right. And and so you didn't control everything, but the results yeah. are still valid, you know, and we get dinged all the time as, as researchers that it's like, well, it's highly healthy pigs and controlled environments and everything. So how, how, you know, 
uh, applicable is it? And then when we try yeah. to do that work, it's like, well, now we can't get it published. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's why I'm saying like, I, it becomes a different priority of like, instead of publishing, you know, like it's, it's more about like sharing the experiences between producers and, um, you know, like, so, so you do the, the, the highly controlled research, you know, in the research facility and that is what you publish. And then based on that, you bring it to, to commercial farms and like make some adjustments. So to make it work in that environment, but not with the end goal to get it published, because yes, you're right. Like it's the reviewers will say like, oh, but it was not controlled enough because like, you didn't account for this factor and that changed halfway through. And, and so, yeah, that becomes very hard to, to get published, but that's the reality of commercial barns. Yeah. But it doesn't make the message any less valid or you know no. or valuable to, no. to anything um i i'm wanting to ask because i think you're in a good position to kind of maybe uh provide this information but thinking about students and you mentioned them at the beginning and that you uh -huh. know a lot of them don't even get the chance to go to a commercial facility during their time right which is is true for most of them you know they do their research yeah. they don't get out there um so I guess I, I like what advice would you have for the students uh, beyond just going out and getting into a barn <laughs> and maybe their supervisors as well in like what they should be looking at? Because um, these are the ones that are going to be they're still trying to figure out their career where they're going to end up, you know, uh -huh. and, and, and so like what what types of advice would you have? Well, so I would advise students to actually just sit down and chat with producers Um even if you cannot get access to their barns, it still helps to understand like what are the the challenges that they face, like or how how are things set up. Um, like if you can get some like footage from inside a barn, that would be helpful. Like for example, like, I just went to a, a barn in Manitoba and I was amazed at how many sows they had there and, and they had like different systems because it was built in different uh, time periods. So just like, you know, get an understanding of like the different systems out there, even if it's not part of your research or in your area, just have a better understanding of the, the things that, that producers are facing. Um, so going to conferences like the Bathwork Seminar, um, you know, like the, the SAS Pork Symposium, like those are more producer oriented or or like industry oriented i would say like that is very useful because then you you get to at least talk with the people that you in the end want to do this for so even if you cannot always get access to the barn because of course it's hard with biosecurity um at least get you know talk to the people that are in those barns day to day yeah. Yeah, and well, make sure that you do go out and talk to yes. them. Yeah, we and, have this all the time, right? That they yes. go and then they don't talk. They sit at tables with with each other and they don't talk to the other people. Well, so it's like it's put scary. yourself out there. Yes, right. Um, like it, and especially you know, like for example, like I did not come from from my agricultural background, so I know that I'm not. Uh, that I don't know all the stuff that they know. So it's it's a little intimidating to go out and talk to be someone who, you know, like they may see you as an expert in certain ways, but, you know, you may not feel that yourself, especially as a grad student. I didn't exactly feel like I was a, an expert. It wasn't until later I realized that, oh, actually, I've, I know a lot after all these years. But, you know, it's so I think 
yes, it can be intimidating, but in the end, we're all just human beings and we can learn from each other. So just do, go sit down with and, and chat and, you know, be be humble and understand that they know things that you don't know and you know things that they don't know. So you can learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a great way to look at it, I think. So hopefully we, we start to see the students out there networking yes. <laughs> more and getting and getting the message out there. Yes, um, for sure. So um, we're, we're getting close to the end of, of the time that we generally uh, do these. Um, so I guess before I get to the final three questions, I just ask, you know, if there, uh, a take-home message or something that you want the listeners of, of this episode to kind of get out of get out of the discussion. Um, well, I'd say just be open to try new things. Um, like like me, like if I had not gone to Canada on a, you know, to work with pigs, I would not be working in the, the pork industry today. Um, but you know, like be be open to learn new things and and to uh, to like grab it with both hands and and you know use all the opportunities you get. Yeah, uh, gr- great message. It's time for our famous three. So before I let you go, we'll ask you the the same three questions. I warned you a little bit before, <laughs> so hopefully. You, um, <laughs> Our first question uh, is, what is your go-to or favorite uh, swine or agricultural-related resource? Yeah, so I kind of have three. I hope that's okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, first of all, I would like to uh, make a plug for the Prairie Swine Center website. Um, so, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I have to, right? Um, so, prairieswine.com, uh, we have a lot of like our publications on there. So, the Centered on Swine newsletter um the annual reports like other things and but the nice thing is we also have a database called pork inside and so if you go to that and you, you can just search on anything and and any of the articles that we have written in the past fact sheets about that uh, will come up so it's a it's a great resource for anyone to use um and then like outside of that there's two other ones as a nutritionist i'd say nrc like 2012 like that's the go-to, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for producers, like actually, like I've been, uh, I, I m- produced a lot of uh, training videos for uh, technicians in the past two years uh, f- with uh, the Canadian Pork Council, and like one of the things that I was using a lot for that was the CPC Pig Safe Pig Care Producer Manual. So like it is chock full of very good hands-on information. So I'd say that's a great resource for producers to have. Yeah, lots of well-rounded uh, resources, and I know um, I know the videos are coming out. Uh, I don't know when they'll be released, and for those who are listening, we are going to have Mark Finn, who's kind of been leading that oh. program as well, uh, yes. so they can look forward to him in a in a future uh, episode. Perfect. So, okay, uh, this one might be a little bit easier. I don't know, uh, maybe harder. Uh, a favorite book or, or something, you know, outside of agriculture, you know, something something that you'd like to read. It could be fiction, self-help, like whatever you want to wide open. Yeah, I, well, I, I love reading um, novels, like uh, fiction. So like there's there's one that I really enjoyed recently. It's called uh, um, A Gentleman in Moscow from Amor Towles. Um, it's one of those books where very little happens and yet you cannot put it down. So that was a really cool one for me. <laughs> um, and then another one that actually I would recommend, it's uh, Temple Grandin. So her book, um, you, 
animals make us human. So it's like there's actually a, a chapter about pigs, um, but she talks about all different kinds of animals like horses, dogs, cats, what have you. And it's just like it's full of like interesting like little stories. But she also like she approaches it from like an animal welfare standpoint. So he actually it's 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 entertaining, but it's also educational. So I really like that one as well. Now, uh, I wasn't aware of that one. I've I've read Animals in Translation, as I'm sure a lot of people. Oh yeah, in this the is the, the follow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to look into that. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, and then so our final question is: when you look back at like. Uh, particularly uh, effective leaders, or if you're looking, you know, because you're dealing with producers a lot now too, you know, and, and so you might see some that are maybe a little bit more successful than others. Like what is a characteristic either for the, the leadership or, you know, producers that is some sets them apart to be like a little bit more successful? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a multitude of things, but um, first of all is like you need to be tenacious. Um, this is not an easy industry to be in. So um, like the, the ability to not give up easily is, is very important. Um, and then like I already mentioned earlier, you know, like be open to learn new things and like be curious um, and, and, and being able to, to listen to other people and, and, and find common ground. I think that's a really big one for just leaders in general, no matter where we are. Um, to be able to understand what motivates the people that, that work for us and, and th what motivates yourself. And if you have a good understanding of that, I think that will really help to, uh, to keep people happy. And with that, you know, keep, keep your, your farm or your business going. Yeah, that, that's one that, that kind of comes up quite often is just communication, being able to listen and, and yeah. not, not just be the one talking. <laughs> and and it's, it sounds easier than it is. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very, it's very, a lot more difficult than it sounds. I don't, I yes, know, yes. like, especially <laughs> as, as researchers, you know, we get into being the ones that are always like, no, this is my idea and not so much the other way around. So, yeah, I'll, we can all take, probably take a, a, a lesson from that and step back once in a while and, and, and listen a little bit more. So, okay, well, Miranda, I think that brings us to the end. Uh, I would like to thank you again for, for coming on. I hope that you had a, a good experience and good discussion. And hopefully the, the listeners are, are get some good information out of today's episode. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode. Bye.